Hello and welcome to Two for None, your favourite cricket comedy podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Cullen, and sitting across from me, the man, the myth, the legend, he's on his patio, folks, it's Chris Barty. Bardo, how are you, big fella? I'm, I'm good, Pat. I'm good. It's a, it's a beautiful day. Uh, Australia are in the top four. In the top four. England are crap. Australia are great. Woo! <laughs> what a time. Yes. Yeah, normality is, is restored. Yeah, a justice, Bardo, some might say. Mm. Justice, mm. equality, fairness. Mm. I'll tell, um, tell you what, England need to stop wandering out of their crease, mate. It's, uh... <laughs> it's a problem, Chris. It's a real problem. I don't know if it made the news over there. I couldn't believe there. that. <laughs> yeah, clearly nobody read about it. Huh? Clearly nobody mm. read about the Johnny Bairstow situation and took it to heart. Yeah, yeah. well, certainly not Adil Rashid. He didn't, um, obviously doesn't read the papers. The- <laughs> get the memo, mate. I could, and in the meantime, since we last recorded, Chris, you know, we've had two games and two big wins, two big wins, Bardo. We, and in fact, Chris, I've been thinking about proposing you this question for a little while. Mm. Riddle me this, Bardo. Tell me how this makes any sense. We lose to South Africa. The Netherlands beat South Africa. We beat the Netherlands. What does that mean? What it's meant is every game is cutthroat. And, mm. uh, you know, that uh, any team can win on their day. And I've got to say, look, the result wasn't perfect from a Dutch perspective. Um, one might say that they were roasted in a Dutch oven. <laughs> um, good, Fado, good. Yeah. <laughs> little fart joke there. But... Um, <laughs> What it does mean is that every game is is critical, and you know credit to the Dutch, even though the the, the game didn't go quite go the way that they hoped the other night. Uh, you know they have still been a formidable opponent for you know traditional cricketing superpowers, uh, and you know their fielding was still pretty good. You know considering they mm. consider they can see three hundred ninety nine runs. I mean the catch to dismiss Steve Smith was outrageous. Yeah, it's a corker. It was a corker. It was a bunch of stuff they actually did where I, I thought they were such big contenders. You know, there's mm. there's also too, but like they probably play more one day cricket than we do. Definitely at the moment. Yeah, definitely. I mean those you know, like, those um, non test playing nations. What other form have you got? Well, exactly. You know, that's it. They're cracking out ODIs. So, you know, like they've got a system. So, yeah, I mean, I enjoyed that game a lot. It was great to see, hey, Bardo, the Bison getting some runs. Turns out David Warner's a run machine. Turns out Adam Zampa must be a fan of the pod because he's bowling up a storm. He's taking forfers all over the joint, wearing weird glasses. What a time. <laughs> yeah, he has got the speed dealers on. <laughs> Are they speed dealers or, or cyclist glasses? I'm not sure. He's got a pair of each. I think his speed dealers for the daytime and his um, his cyclist glasses for the night. Or you know maybe some sort of delivery drug dealer combination. <laughs> <laughs> That's a service that will make some delivery some serious coin. <coughs> not that we advocate for such things. Absolutely not, Chris. Not on this podcast. No. Um, Hey, mate, uh, before we get into the cricket, I, uh, we were just mentioning it there before, but, buddy, you were in Sydney last week for the Bucks. How did you go? Mm. Did, you have a, did you have a good time? Did you have a big time? Man, how did I go at Patrick Cullen's Bucks party? I think pretty good, actually. I held up all right. Uh, 35 years of age. This is, um, you know, I'd probably be heading to, to double digits for Bucks now. Uh, wow. Well, yeah, well, you know, I mean, I think you have your first one at 25. That's... Uh, an average of one a year, you know. Wow. Yep. Since then, so probably you know, um, probably 
getting up there. Uh, and I think, you you know, you learn some things over the duration. You know, people's response mm. to you at a Bucks party is the same. Like, how'd you go? Ooh, you got your eyebrows. But certainly a mid-30s Bucks party is a considerably different proposition to a mid-20s um, Bucks party. Yeah, definitely, Bardo. Definitely. Um, look, mate, I thought you put on a sensational show. I was very pleased that I made it to the end of the evening. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Didn't vomit mm-hmm. anywhere. Thought I was dead high. If I was taking bets at the start of the day, I would have betted on me to vomit, mm-hmm. um, and I didn't. So I'm pretty impressed with my constitution there, Bardo. But I, I did want to just spin a quick yarn about your lovely self, mate, um, if, you'll, if you'll indulge sure. me. Um, that uh, we started the day by doing some archery tag. Mm. And um, it was it was a hell of a time, actually, the archery tag. You see, I want you just to go on a little journey with me here. We're capturing, playing capture the flag on the Bucks day, right? We've got opposition side. And while Chris and I had been enemies up to this point, we were now friends. We're on the same side. We were like DiCaprio and Hanks and catch me if you can. And, and things were looking dire. A couple of fellas have been taken out quickly. There were a few blokes who were trying to catch arrows to bring soldiers back to the battlefield, but they were bungling it like Stoinis in game two of the tournament. Things were looking bad. Mm. And then out of nowhere, Bardo, having run about two metres in the first two hours of the game, just throws his bow to the ground. He, he picks up and runs. He runs past all of our blokes. He dodges and weaves through enemy lines. He's got arrows coming past his head, his neck, his shoulders. He's like former Springbok, back his boyther, but in the Matrix. He's got his rainbow poncho just billowing in the wind. Somehow he grabs their flag and he turns, seeming to run in slow motion for over a hundred years. And for those guys, the panic sets in. We only had three guys on our side against their ten, and if Bardo crosses the line, it's game over. I'm yelling, covering fire! I yell, and the opposition's panics. They can't hit a barn door though, let alone 96 kilos of pure unstoppable bardo. Somehow, incredibly, all of their arrows pinging past their heads, pinging past his head, miss, and bardo full length dives across the line, and we win the bloody round. Incredible stuff, bardo. Incredible stuff from you. It'll linger in my mind forever <laughs> in my life. It was extraordinary. Thanks, mate. Uh, look, it was really nice to get a proverbial meat pie as opposed to a literal meat pie for once. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know what overcame me, really. I think I was enthusiastic but useless uh, <laughs> um, at archery and I wasn't hitting a lot of targets. Like, I was pretty happy to fire off a couple of bows that just didn't dribble in front of me and I wasn't getting very far and, you know, our team was, look, we were we weren't winning, um, and we were definitely losing. You know, I tried sure. a different tactic in an earlier game where I was like, "Look, I'm a I'm a goalkeeper by trade, so I'm just going to drop my drop my bow and see if I can catch a couple of arrows." You know, and it's, look, I certainly stopped a couple, but I, I hadn't managed to complete the catch, which resulted in me exiting the game. And I thought, "Oh well," you know. <clears throat> but I thought, "Look, there's something to this drop the bow business." And I thought, "Look, if I'm out, if I'm out." It's not going to cost us a lot. So let's just go full kamikaze. The funniest thing was that <laughs> I made it to the other end. And uh, I forget your the name of your mate with the, the grey hair. Oh, yeah. Um, Andy Eisenberg. Andy Eisenberg. Yeah. Anyway, so I make it to the other end and I big slide and I grab the flag, grab the bandana, and I look up and I go, woo-hoo. And then Andy <laughs> Eisenberg um, looks at me and goes, I think he's, what is he, Canadian, American? Yeah, he, he looks at me and goes, yeah. you know you have to make it back to the other end. <laughs> and I looked at him and went, oh, <laughs> I'm pretty gassed, man. But I thought, oh. 
<laughs> it was the run back, which was most impressive. Yeah. I mean, Dave Burrows, I think, was only about 10 metres behind Ibardo, um, bow in hand, loaded up with a foam-tipped arrow. And, and, you know, there were so many blokes queuing up that just could not hit your B-train. You were extraordinary out there, mate. Yeah, look, I yeah, I was dodging rain, raindrops there at the end. Look, I don't know what happened, mate. <laughs> I really, don't, I really can't explain it. Just you know, the enthusiasm outweighed the uselessness uh, on that one occasion, and it was it was a sight to behold. It was you know, and I think the, there was a crowd that gathered around at the end. I was getting pats on the head, pats on the back. I loved it. Set so really set the tone I think for the rest of the day. But I did have to go and have to have a sit down because. You know, all, all new fathers listening to the pod will know that when you have a have a newborn, the exercise really goes out the window. And I have not done Buckley's in nine months and um, it hurt. A <laughs> <laughs> 100 metre sprint and swan dive. Took it out of him, folks. Took it out of him. What an incredible effort from the B train, though. What an extraordinary piece of work. Hey, mate, um, should we get into some tapes? We've only got 45 minutes before you've got to be back with your young fellow when he finishes his nap, so we better crack in. Now, look, incredible episode. Last episode, Tom K. Hawking moved to, is that to Kabul? <laughs> Tom K. Hawking moved to Kabul, which is exciting. Um, uh, Jai Singh came out swinging. Adam Hassan had a lot of chat. And so I think there's going to be a couple of humble pies in the oven, mm. Bardo. I think a couple of blokes are going to have a couple of pies warming. Um, there might be a few backward steps. I mean, who do you want to start with, Chris? Where do you want to Where do you want to go here, mate? Look, I think we should start with uh, our good friend Adam Hassan from Pakistan. I love it. I love it. Let's hear from Adam. Um, Pakistan obviously losing since we last chatted to Adam. So I wonder. I wonder how enthusiastic he's gonna be. Um, yeah. So I mean, well, look, well, so I mean, what do you want me to say here, Pat? <laughs> I mean, yeah, we lost to India, we lost to Australia, now we lost to Afghanistan as well. I mean, India and Australia, fine. Like, we always lose to them in World Cups. As a Pakistan fan, you expect that. But Afghanistan, we'd never lost to them in an ODI before, World Cup or not. You know, a wise man said. A few hours before our game against Australia, he said, whichever team catches better is going to win it. Oh. That wise man was actually our very own Patrick Cullen. Oh. And I mean, yeah, you weren't wrong. But someone may. Sorry, Adam. Sorry, but I just got to stop you there. Um, can we just relish in that, butter? <laughs> can we just uh, sit in that stew for a little minute that I was on the money? Yeah. Butter. On me, Pat, on the money. Yeah, Adam needs to stop showing off that he actually listens to our garbage. <laughs> How dare you come in here doing the bare minimums, Bardo, and show you up. <laughs> I think 90% of our downloads are actually just Adam just checking, did I get that quote right? I mean, I like it. I'm, I'm here sure. for it. I think it's the level of journalistic it makes sense. integrity. It adds a degree of professionalism to. that is sorely lacking. <laughs> it, does. it does add a degree of professionalism, and it's true. Um, Bardo, we, we, we did pretty well against Pakistan. We, we did pretty all right in that game. We caught really well, which won us the game, I think. Caught really well. Um, batted really well, you know, awesome to see, um, you know, as you say, the bison makes some runs. I think, you know, just the country pulls for him now every time he does. No, well. the country pulls for the bison. You got it. Hard luck, you know. Um, and the pugilist, you know, David Warner punching back. You've got you've got to actually, I think, acknowledge because – and give him some credit because certainly he's had – he's detracted over the last couple of months, you know, since before the Ashes series and – you know, how dare you nominate your own retirement date and, you know, you're not making enough runs and you don't belong on the team and all this sort of thing. But the man is uh, certainly uh, a fighter, not a flighter. 
and uh, he's taken it out on Pakistan and then subsequently on the Netherlands. And I think you just have to kind of acknowledge that, yeah, this guy can, can still play. Yeah, he's got, a, what, I think second or third on the list of all-time run scorers for Australia in um, in Cricket World Cups. You know, like, he's right up there, mate. He's an, he's an absolute beast. And we, yeah, he was a big part of the reason why we did so well against Pakistan. I, I also am waiting, Chris, because I don't know if you remember this, Bardo, but um, last week on the pod, Adam had uh, a fair bit of sledging for England losing to Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. And I wonder, I wonder if he's going to deal with that in this tape. <laughs> Um, what are we going to do with that? the repercussions of that uh, chance? Let's find out. Coming into the side for Shadab Khan. Dropped Warner on 10. One of the easiest catches you'll ever see. Warner went on to score 163. And if that catch is taken, this could have been a completely different game. Because Australia's middle order really hadn't been firing, and they looked vulnerable. Instead, Warner and Marsh both got centuries, and Australia ended on 367. Pakistan put up a good fight in the chase and got to a respectable 305. But really, we lost it with the ball and in the field. And if we'd been able to keep Australia to under 330, that definitely could have been our game. It was good to see Shaheen find some form there, taking 5 for 54 from his turnovers. Mm. As for Afghanistan, I mean, uh, <laughs> I'm at a loss. I mean, we didn't even play that badly. Like, we weren't great, but Afghanistan just played really well, especially with the bat. Chasing 282, they look composed and professional throughout. Just gonna hold you there, Adam. Bardo, we gotta talk about Gabaz. Mm. We gotta talk about Gabaz. Mm. And I think that it's probably a good moment for you and I to start spitballing about a potential nickname for Gabaz um, because I think he deserves one. I think he's a great bat. I think he's a great dude. Um, you know, he's out there and he's he's making these international attacks look like bloody Parkside trundlers. He he smashes blokes, Bardo. Gabaz ball. Gabaz ball. That's a bit yeah, lazy. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> That's a bit lazy. <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying, let's just start working sure. on it. You know, let's just put our cogs to it. Um, if you're a listener to the pod and you've got a great name for Kabaz that we should bring in, then, you know, send me an email, gingersnapsydney at gmail.com. Um, we'd love to hear it. Bardo, any late thoughts before I cut back to Adam? No, no, I'm just enjoying the, the suffering that Adam is um, going through, which is actually not unlike my wife, who's just shot me a look saying, I've just put the baby to bed and you're out here doing a podcast. So <laughs> We may be in trouble, folks. We may not have Chris Barty for too much longer. 286 for two. The highest ever chase in ODR cricket, and they did it two down. What a performance. But look. Whenever you start to feel, you know, a bit down about your size performances in a World Cup, England just always find a way to bring that joy back into your heart. And today they did that with a dismal display against Sri Lanka, who have now beaten England five times in a row in World Cups. Now, we don't currently have a Sri Lanka correspondent, but as a big fan of their flag, I personally feel that I'm qualified to fill the void for this week. Oh. And I'm going to start in the seventh over. Sorry, Adam, just to cut you off there. Um, Adam's jumping around here. Mm. He was <laughs> talking for Afghanistan last week. He's talking to Pakistan. He's jumping over to Sri Lanka. He's covering all the bases. Yeah, look, he's he's like a utility in football, mate. He plays all the positions. All the positions. All the positions get him in. And, hey, Chris, can I just also say publicly, if uh, you need to run and go and look after your baby, that is totally okay. We'll take as much Chris Barty as we can get. <laughs> no, that's fine. The, <laughs> the dagger's being shot at me up and down the stairs <laughs> saying to indicate that everything's going well. 
Okay, good, good, good. Back to Adam. Matthews comes onto ball. And when I saw this, I was like, what? <laughs> What's he doing here? Since when was Angelo Matthews playing in this World Cup? And yeah, essentially, he was at home in Sri Lanka 10 days ago. Gets called up as injury cover, brought into the team for this game, comes on in the power play and gets the first wicket of the game. Dawi Milan, caught behind. His first wicket in an ODI since before the pandemic. He ended with figures of 5 overs, 2 for 14. Crazy stuff. England limped to 156, and Sri Lanka chased it down with ease, thanks to the two men who have consistently performed for them this tournament. Nisanka, who's now scored four 50s in a row, and Samara Wiklama, who's averaging 98 this tournament. So looking at the competition as a whole, essentially what we've got is the likely semi-finalists already set out in India, South Africa, New Zealand and Australia. Pakistan do still have a chance, but we'd have to win all of our remaining games against South Africa, Bangladesh, New Zealand and England. Not impossible. We did beat all four of those teams in the last World Cup four years ago. But we're not looking as good now as we did then. We're playing South Africa tomorrow, and if we lose that, the top four are pretty much decided, and we'll have two weeks of dead rubbers to sit through before we reach the semis. So I think everyone out there should be supporting Pakistan for the next couple of weeks, because they're the only chance we've got of keeping this tournament alive. And also because it's just fun supporting Pakistan. It's absolute carnage, but in the end it's always a good time. <laughs> Thank you, Adam. Absolute carnage is correct. True words. Never spoken, butter. Never spoken. You've got to say that Pakistan are looking pretty much like they're, they're down the drain, butter. They're circling the drain at the very least. Oh, yeah, but you never know. You, you never, never know. know. They've still got some class, for sure. Yeah. I mean, they're very, very class. I mean, when they when they get it together, they're one of the most classy sides in, for in sure. world cricket. Hey, I did just want to... Um, I do a little tangent for one second if I can. So oh, please. this was the first time that Afghanistan had beaten Pakistan, right? Mm. And it got me thinking about uh, the first time that Pakistan had beaten India in a, in ah. a test, which I think, and fact check me here, folks, I think it was 1952. Uh, and Pakistan beat India by an innings. Um, and what was really um, fascinating reading about it was that they played on jute matting. Ha! Or jut matting? I don't even know how you pronounce it. Essentially. <laughs> jute. Yeah, no, jute's jute right. Matting, yeah. yeah, right, which you can buy from Bunnings. Um, and it's like a, I don't even know, it's like a canvas type situation. Like a hempy sort of material, you jute. Yeah, okay. And get jute matting. I just wonder how the ball plays off jute matting. I mean, I would say not well. 52-53, uh, but 52-53 was when that happened for the first time. Yep. Um, and, yeah, I'd say you off your jute matting, mate, that's going to be ducking and weaving. It's going to be bouncing all over the joint. It's going to be cutting and, and sliding. It's going to be you against a bunch of archery tag arrows. It's going to be all over right. the joint. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Is that, is that a bouncy wicket? Is it, what is jute matting? If anyone could tell me how jute matting plays, that would be terrific. <laughs> But evidently, we can go. evidently, Pakistan had form on it, so maybe they just need to yeah. roll out the jute matting for the uh, for the next ODI. Yeah, look, it can't hurt, Bardo. It can't hurt. I think they'd take it at this stage. Um, my friend, who would you like to hear from next? Um, we have the choice of Alex Spinks, our Aussie correspondent, Jai Singh from India, Chris Goodrick, our uh, South African correspondent, or Tom K. Hawkey with a bulletin from the Brit. Look, we've already touched on the England-Sri Lanka Sherlocking already. So let's continue down that uh, down that train with with Tom K. Hawkey. 
Beautiful. Now, here's Tom did mention to me that this is a bit longer than last time. I think he'd recorded it. And then, of course, England lost to Sri Lanka. So um, let's just dive in and enjoy. Which country is he going to be reporting from? What's his tagline going to be? Who's to say? Let's fire him up. Here's Tom K. Hawkey with, I think, a bulletin from a Brit. Hi there. Tom K. Hawkey here with your bulletin from a Brit. Last week, I flew to Kabul and became an Afghan supporter. However, Due to a visa mishap, I was kicked out of the country 24 hours later, and I'm now, for my sins, an England supporter once more. Chris Goodrick knows exactly how that feels. That happens to him all the time. He gets kicked out of countries, put back into countries. It's, it's a whole <laughs> He thing. really did get kicked out of India. That's right. <laughs> he, really, he really did. Finding myself on the subcontinent, I decided to try my hand at being a proper cricket journalist. I travelled to Mumbai and snagged a two-for-none exclusive interview with Captain Joss Butler following England's defeat to South Africa. Wow. Joss, a 229-run defeat. That is England's heaviest ever loss in an ODI. Can you try to sum up how you feel? Yeah, fantastic. And um, uh, to go out and play like that today is obviously the proudest day in an England shirt, which is, is fantastic. And Sorry, just to confirm, heaviest ever defeat... And you're feeling good. I think it was certainly a, a performance to be enjoyed. Um, that's the best we've played so far um, in this tournament by a long way. So you had no issues conceding 399, the most conceded by any England side, and then capitulating to a staggeringly low 170. Um, in what way do you think you were the better team today? Well, I think as a whole, really, bat ball and in the field. And I think the best thing about it is we showed we can play the brand of cricket that we want to play. Right then. Um, look, let's go back to the start. Sorry, Tom. Um, hey, Chris, mm. just quickly, is this the definition of fake news? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, this is it. If you looked up propaganda or if you looked up misinformation in the dictionary, would, it, would the picture be this? Yeah, just a picture of Tom and his delicious sideburns. <laughs> Delicious and nutritious. Oh boy! I mean, he's gone to a lot of effort here, mm. though, to um, mm. take Josh Butler out of context. And I personally am here for it. I'm really enjoying. It's an it. interesting paradox, isn't it? Because it raises the professionalism and lowers it at the same time. <laughs> Never has the podcast got better and worse all at once. Let's go back to Tom and Joss. You won the toss, and despite the fact it was 36 degrees out there, you chose to bowl. Care to elaborate on the insanity of that decision? You know, obviously with the benefit of winning the toss. Um, yeah, I think it was definitely a, a factor in the game, um, sort of on the guys and, and the energy levels. And what did you think as you looked round at your players, visibly wilting in the scorching heat, thanks to your decision. They're all sweaty, so... Usually special. Reese Topley suffered a broken finger during the match and won't play again in the tournament. Can you comment on his treatment options? Yeah, I think um, you should let it hurt, to be honest. With the bat. Sorry, Tom, <laughs> this is great stuff. Um, Bardo, what did you make of them electing to bowl when it was 38 degrees in the shade? Was that just an Englishman's decision, do you think, not understanding how heat works? Well, as I understand it... Uh, you know, the sun is relatively rare in, in the UK and, and any time the sun comes out, it's a case of taps off, which is, um, you know, tops off. So I can, only, ah. I can only assume it was an opportunity to um, get their rigs out. You know, I just work on the, you know, work on the tan. 
<laughs> might have done themselves more service than um, going out in the field. Look, but uh, I'm in my club cricket side at the moment. We're very much a bowling side. Our bowling's mm-hmm. a lot stronger than our batting. So we are tending to bowl first when we get the choice. And as a bowler, that has put me in some bad, bad, not good situations mm-hmm. where I have been bowling in 36 degrees. And I'm not very fit, but uh, as you saw in our Bucks day. So I, I, I don't love... I, yeah, I do feel a bit sorry for the poor old Poms being sent in and having to do that. But also they did it to themselves in the immortal words of Radiohead. Like, mm. you know, that's, they're not built for those conditions, Bardo. Yeah, they did it to themselves and that's what really hurts. Unless you raise top lane, in which case it's probably your finger. <laughs> in which case, it really, really hurts. Back to Tom. England slumped to 68 for six in just the 12th over. It must hurt to have lost a game before your innings has even begun. Yeah, I think uh, we were we were favourites at, at that stage. Some might argue that England really threw their wickets away with some pretty stupid shots. Who would you say was the stupidest wicket? Least intelligent, Adil Rashid. Oh, that seems harsh, Joss. We know he had a stomach issue. He was literally bent double at times. No, he wasn't feeling quite right at all, so um, he went off and took a cool down. But He'd never seen anyone... Okay, too much information. He's got a lot of wind. Okay. It's splattered, it's getting quite heavy and, you know, it stinks. Looking back on the tournament as a whole, you must regret the performance of your team thus far. Yeah, amazing. Um, It's been a fantastic tournament for us. I mean, you did lose the first game of the tournament. I think we've played our best cricket. Uh, Sorry, Tom, I've got to stop you and just there, but... Fart jokes. How did Tom find <laughs> Joss Butler talking about farting? How did he do that? Is that just AI? What's happening right now? Well, I just think that's what happens when you, you know, as a as a keen sports reporter, you develop a relationship and a rapport with some of cricket's oh, of you know, power power players, and and, and uh, Tom has clearly managed to get the uh, inside scoop uh, on uh, on what really goes um, on in the guts of England. <laughs> <laughs> Well done. He's got the well that's, that's what I meant to say. And we've just got better and better. Really? And, and there are no games you want to point to to say they were objectively bad? Maybe one game against Afghanistan. Probably as every English cricket fan is, is, is a bit of sadness about that. There's no point trying to hide away from the feelings you have. You now have to win absolutely every game going forward to have any chance of reaching the semis. Are you happy with that situation? Um, it's the stuff you... You dream about growing up to have the opportunity, one, to be in this position. I'm sorry, you dream about this sort of thing? Facing five must-win matches in a row? You know, it's the stuff you dream of. It sounds so cheesy, but it it really is. Joss Butler, thank you for talking to me today. You weird bastard. (laughs) Well, there you have it. Interview with Joss there, showing that he still believes in this England team for some unknown reason. Anyway, I've just flown back from India. It is Thursday and England are currently playing Sri Lanka. If I just check the time, yeah, they should be just at the halfway point of the match by now. I'll just flick the radio on, see what's happening. It's tossed up, drilled high into the stands. Into the crowd it goes. Sri Lanka win. Ah, for f**k's sake. Thank you, Tom. You're a legend. And we've got to applaud the sound design coming out of Hawkey at the moment, Bardo. It's just exceptional. It's next level. Look, it might be the best thing that's come out of England this World Cup. (laughs) Mate, what is...
has gone on there? They've used like every player on the roster. They are completely tree-daring on the brink of defeat. You know, only a couple of episodes ago it was saying that they were the diehard favourites to go through the whole way through the tournament. They've looked like crap, butter. Look, <laughs> They've been terrible. Yeah, they really haven't looked good, have they? <laughs> Um, yeah, that prediction has aged like milk. Um, <laughs> really bad. Not really, not not well at all. And you have to give credit to South Africa too because you talk about a reversal in fortunes. You know, two games into the five-game series against Australia, we were, you know, um, eulogising South African cricket mm. uh, and how poor it was. But now they, with white ball in hand, they look absolutely phenomenal. You know, I mean, they reached 300 against England. They reached 300 in the 44th. Over so after 262 Oof. deliveries, and then managed to pile on another 99 runs in 38 balls. You know, I mean that's wow, pretty fast. Uh, you know, and that's at that point in time they were, I think, what were they? Uh, maybe five or six down. So it, it, they're looking good. England just looking paltry. Uh, you know, the performance against Sri Lanka was. Uh, abysmal. I do have to say, though, I, you know, I think Bad. it was a, it was a, um, a mixture of um, a mixture of good bowling from uh, Sri Lanka and um, poor batting from England. You know, uh, just Great. some some bizarre uh, shots. Uh, well, no, perhaps not bizarre, but poorly executed shots. Um, you know, that there wasn't really a recognition at any point in time that, hey, you know, we've lost a couple here. We really need to buckle down. There was only a single gear that they had. Whether that's a, a, a you know, a legacy from Basball, I don't know. Um, but but Baz is not the coach of the ODI side. It's Matthew Mott, and uh, Matthew Mott's been reasonably successful in white ball cricket of late. So, I reckon. Y- you know, who knows? Um, but one guy I do actually really want to shout out is uh, Angelo Matthews, Pat. Angelo Matthews from yes, from Yes, yes Adam mentioned him too. I, I think Adam, uh, uh, you know, Angelo Matthews uh, probably doesn't get enough praise uh, for what he's managed to accomplish in world cricket, particularly for Sri Lanka. Uh, you know, 223 or 222 ODI matches for Sri Lanka um, has a fairly handy batting, batting average, I think at about 41 and, you know, and bowls 35. But he took a wicket uh, with his third ball back um, from injury um, to put England on the back foot. And, uh, you know, while I was watching the coverage last night, um, I was doing a bit of reading up on the great Angela Matthews. And there's a story (laughs) um, uh, in New Zealand. I think he scores uh, 150. And then, uh, you know, to help uh, help save a test match for, for Sri Lanka. He scores 150 and then he does... 10 push-ups in the middle of the ground as part of his celebration. So raises the bat, mm. does 10 push-ups in the middle of the ground. And that was to send a message to the coaching staff who prior to the game had accused him of not being in cricketing shape. <laughs> and then in the subsequent test match, he tears a hamstring and is, is then out for four months. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's great stuff, but that's that's what we're into on this podcast. He's, he's a man after my own heart. But I look, I just yeah, think, really. you know, there's a guy that's been a, um, a performer um, for a team that doesn't maybe doesn't have the um, the talent pool, the depth of talent pool other countries have, but, you know, still managed to eke out a pretty impressive 
uh, career in all forms of the game. And, and perhaps because we haven't seen the best of Sri Lanka in the long form of the game here in Australia. We haven't given someone like Andrew Math- Angelo Matthews his credit, but I think he well and truly deserves it. Oh, yeah, I think so too, mate. Especially given that he comes out bowling 75 mile an hour little trundlers and gets pole with his third ball. I mean, you love that. You love to see it, but uh, you love to see it. It's very county cricket, you know. It's very county <laughs> cricket, yeah, yeah. Hey, um, speaking of South Africa, we, well, I know we're just talking about Sri Lanka, but we were talking about South Africa before that. Should we jump to some Chris Goodrick and hear from Spinks last? That sounds good, Pat. Let's do that, mate. Okay, let's fire him up, folks. Here is Chris Goodrick, our South African correspondent, with a little bulletin for us. South Africa! This one is for you! Yeah, well, yeah, well, yes! Protears are on fire. Good day, guys. And hasn't it been just a great tournament so far? South Africa sitting second on the lug after five games played. Um, just losing to our colonizers, or one of our colonizers, the Netherlands. Um, but we comfortably beat the English, our other colonizers, which was which was good to see. So the Proteas have four games left. Pakistan, uh, we play tonight, which is going to be very interesting. Uh, the Kiwis, India, and then our... And then Afghanistan, who are definitely a team that has shown that they can take out a few uh, contenders, just like England. So four tough games, um, but if we can win two of those, then we look like we could get that um, semi-final spot. And I think uh, what's important is that um, getting the second or third semi, placing second or third is going to be quite important. Uh, because who wants to play India in India? So um, if we finish fourth, then I think uh, it's looking like India is going to top this this uh, table, and uh, that will be a pretty hard game. So let's look back at uh, the last two games. England, fantastic. We smashed those colonizers, and um, we, we also beat them in the rugby, so two out of two beautiful scenes. Absolutely wonderful. Um, and Quinny de Kock, what... Sorry there, Chris, quickly, Bardo. Um, pretty bad times for England. I forgot they <laughs> lost the rugby. I mean, we were already out of the rugby, but to lose to the Poms, I mean, if you're English and you lose to South Africa in two different sports in the same day, is pretty rough trot. Mm. Pretty rough trot, Bardo. Lost by a point too, I believe. Oh, I mean, that's rough stuff, isn't it? That's rough stuff. It's, uh, that's going to get you in your you heart You know it's spot. a bad weekend when someone can literally come up to you and say, what's worse, uh, losing by a point, or getting absolutely flogged, and you have <laughs> and you have recent enough experience uh, or, or depth of data to be able to draw upon to be able to formulate an, a, a cohesive answer. That's that's tough. That's tough. But uh, do you think this is karma for England winning the last World Cup? Did they win the last World Cup? That is the contention. I mean, point. exactly. They certainly took the trophy home. You know, I wonder. I wonder if, in the immortal words of Justin Timberlake, what goes around comes around, goes around, comes around, goes around, comes around, goes back around, um, and let that let that marinate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a tournament he's having. Um, so he played his 150th um, game, and he smashed a beautiful century. And a, a nice stat that I thought uh, the two for none uh, audience would enjoy. So Quentin de Kock becomes South Africa's youngest player to score 20 ODR centuries, uh, surpassing A.B. de Villiers, Hashim Mamela, and Herschel Gibbs. Wow. It just shows uh, what a fantastic player he is and um, and what a tournament he's having. He's the highest run scorer so far in this tournament. And South Africa's batting has just been insane. Mm. So 
if we look at the most hundred so far in this World Cup, South Africa's got six, and the next team wow. is New Zealand with three. So that just shows you how how well we've done. And we've, if we look at these scores, guys, you know, three eight two versus um, versus Bangladesh, three nine nine versus England, three one one versus um, Australia, four two eight versus uh, Sri Lanka. And then before that, we we got over three hundred in the last three games that we played the Aussies in South in South Africa. So. The only game was against uh, the Dutch where we only got 207. So our batting has just been on point. Um, and even when Timber um, couldn't uh, couldn't play due to illness, uh, Reza Hendricks came in and uh, just strolled onto the park and had a great inning. So uh, I've been really impressed with our batting um, in this tournament. So where does that leave us now? I suppose everybody's asking the question, at least not Orbato, who mentioned... Has the protest choked? Have we choked or are we going to choke again? And this is the big elephant in the room. No, I'm not talking about Johnny Besto. This is, is South Africa going to choke again? I certainly hope not. I hope the, uh, the, the choke is gone and we've got rid of this. And I'll be going to the shops a bit later just to get some ingredients because um, I'd like to make a really nice humble pie um, to, to send over to our founder and uh, co-host Patrick Cullen, who oh. uh, in the first episode said mm. that South Africa is not going to make the semis. Now, mm. I know it's a bit early. It's a bit early. I'm not counting my chickens before they've hatched, but uh, I'll be getting those ingredients just to make sure I can send that humble pie across the Tasman from the small island nation of New Zealand all the way across to that large island and uh, you enjoy that humble pie, Paddy. It's coming your way. <laughs> all right, guys. Looking forward to the game tonight. Pakistan, South Africa. We'll see you later. Thank you, Goodrick. And look, like I am looking forward to the arrival of those ingredients, Bardo. Looking forward to the arrival of those ingredients. Um, I could be on for some pie baking, Bardo. It could be the great Australian bake-off at my place. Now, that's a question. If you have to eat humble pie... Are you required mm-hmm. to bake said pie yourself or does someone provide you with the pie for eating ready-made? Look, I think I think in this case, given the um, distance the ingredients have to travel, it's probably best if I bake them. Maybe if Goodrick wants to put them together and I can put them in the oven, that'll be good. That'd be good. I'd take that. But I've been watching a lot of British Bake Off, but I feel pretty confident in my pie-making abilities. Make a firm crust, no soggy bottoms. Do, is it Great British, British Bake Off your baking reality show of preference? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. What's your reality show? Well, see, I like Nailed It on Netflix. I think Nailed It. I do love Nailed It. It's brilliant. Yeah, great show. Uh, I have a little man crush on uh, Chef Jacques. (laughs) (laughs) I bet you do. I bet. Oh, mate. Butter, we totally forgot Jai Singh. Oh, my gosh. He only represents a nation of a billion people, Pat. (laughs) He only represents the nation of, like, our biggest listenership to this podcast, (laughs) Easy to forget. (laughs) Easy to forget. Oh, my goodness. Um, yeah, look, Chris, get those ingredients ready, mate. I'm, I'm ready for them when you're ready to send them. Um, let's jump straight into Jai Singh and hear a bit about what's going on with India at this World Cup. India took on New Zealand on Sunday in a blockbuster top-of-the-table clash that turned into a bit of a walk in the park. I've had a feeling through this tournament that New Zealand have been playing out of their skins, while India have been slowly working their way into peak form. So I wasn't overly surprised when India ended up coming out on top. But at the 40 over mark, it didn't look that clear cut as the plucky New Zealanders were looking to kick on to a dominating score. Actually, slight detour while we're at it. Can we really call the Kiwis plucky? I know we always do it and we keep talking about them like they're some minor cricketing nation punching above their weight. 
But they've been finalists at the last three World Cups and they have some serious world-beating talent. They are a major cricketing powerhouse and no mistake. They had earned their position at the top of the table coming into this match and really it was just India's superior knowledge of home conditions that proved the difference. As expected, India made two injury-enforced changes. That the two changes were in response to only one injury showed the value of the player sitting out, Adit Pandya. Suryakumar Yadav came in with the bat and Mohamed Shami replaced Shadul Thakur ad heft with the ball. Sorry, John, I'm just going to cut in on you there. Just quickly to say that the reason we think of New Zealand as being a bit of a cricketing minnow sometimes is that they, the entire country has approximately the same population as Hyderabad in India. Um, there are less Kiwis than there are people in Bangalore um, and there's about double the amount of people in Mumbai than there are people in New Zealand. So the, New Zealand uh, has about the same population as Sydney, but about 6 million of them, the Kiwis. So you've got to say population to team to performance, there's nobody better in the world than New Zealand, um, both for their cricket and rugby teams. They're kind of extraordinary. Yeah, certainly the power to weight ratio is not bad, is it? It's not bad, Bardo. Mm, Pretty good. Mm. Mm. Yeah, yep, yep. India's five-man attack was under pressure when Daryl Mitchell and Rajan Ravindra put on 159 in 25 overs to take New Zealand from a precarious 19 for two to a powerful 178 for two in the 34th over. But having reached this comfortable base camp, they never managed to scale the mountainous score that seemed within reach. Wickets kept falling at the other end, and Mitchell was becalmed as his priority became farming the strike and ensuring New Zealand at least batted out their overs. Shami kept smashing stumps out of the ground and ended with a richly deserved 5 for 54 as Mitchell was last man out for a valiant 130. Bulmer, Siraj and Jadeja ended up with an economy under 5 and Kuldeep recovered from a dreadful start to keep his economy under 5 across his last 5 overs. India had had a real fright and at the halfway stage there was a real danger of all the wheels falling off if Mitchell batted through and Phillips, Chapman and Santner went bananas at the other end. But New Zealand only scored 7 for 75 from the last 16.3 overs. It was yet another case of India's bowlers pulling them back into the match after the opposition had threatened to blow them away. Probably the ideal sort of practice in a long World Cup. There's no point dominating every match unless you're the 2003 or 2007 Australians and can guarantee that continues all the way. It's better to have some good workouts and get everyone plenty of practice in tricky match situations. Chasing 274, India started aggressively, with Roy Sharma once again giving the early impetus with 46 from 40. India were under a bit of pressure at 5 for 191 when Kumar was run out in a complete misunderstanding with Kohli. Both batters called early, which is good, except they called differently. <laughs> he sensed they had it under control with a runner ball required and Kohli well set, but one more wicket would have exposed the flimsy tail. That wicket didn't come until the end, however. Kohli continued to 95 before trying to finish the innings with the 6 that would take him to his 100. The big hit didn't quite carry the boundary and ended up only finishing his own innings. Even so, his 95 won the match, and amazingly, was only a little bit higher than his average score in winning chases. At the other end, Jadeja motored along to 39 not out from 44 balls, a good opportunity for practice for the only member of India's top seven who had a bit of a question mark hanging over him. Mohamed Shami was in ridiculously high at number eight, but he'd done his work earlier and only needed to contribute a single here to help see India home. All in all, it was an exciting day of cricket, in Hardik's absence, India have decided to take the aggressive route of playing four specialist bowlers instead of a bits and pieces all-rounder. It's a risky strategy, but if it comes off with a ball like today, no one is going to miss the extra batting option. India's tail probably can't contribute an extra 50 when it's needed. 
But New Zealand were undoubtedly looking at 320 when Ravindra and Mitchell were together and fell 50 short of that due to India's strong bowling. It is a risky strategy on paper, but it came up trumps today. So India go top of the table and are the only unbeaten team. Wow. Their next match is against England on Sunday, and the way England are going, we can only assume that this unbeaten run will continue and India will officially end England's very slight theoretical mathematical chances of progression. Thank you, Jai. Another person sounding very pleased about England doing so badly. Jai Singh, love to hear it, love to see it from us. I mean, of course, Bardo, because I've been so full of joy about how bad England are, I mean, they're probably going to come out and bloody beat the palms on Saturday, aren't they? Just to spite me, just to ruin my life. That's what's going to go down, isn't it? Like, you know, if we're honest with each other. Well, look, certainly one way it could go. I actually think it was... Uh, I'd like to offer another hypothesis. Look, genius move from Virat Kohli, I think, to be to, oh. to get himself out for 95. We all know he's chasing uh -huh. the record of Sachin Tendulkar for most Test hundreds in one-day internationals. And by getting out for 95, it's just a little tease, isn't it? Just a little, 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 little taster. Little tease keeps the uh, anticipation nice and high, but also means you have to tune in to this uh, most likely dead rubber. So. <laughs> Genius move, genius move from genius move. the folks at uh, oh, yeah. you know the, at at the cricket, <laughs> the people that yeah, run yeah those know, cricket folks, the puppeteers, yeah the and BCCI you know the it's, broadcasters. It's just occurred to me, Pat, because Please, the match against England may not be a dead rubber, but you know what's not a dead rubber? Those tyres like that Virat Kohli sells. <laughs> I still haven't gotten the MRFs on the Civic. And I'm MRFs, MRFs, thank you, MRFs. Yeah. Get the MRFs, get them on. The sales of MRFs are going to be alive and well during the broadcast. If MRF isn't the best-selling tyre brand in India, I don't know what they're doing with their lives. Mate, we have one more tape. We've got to listen to Sphinx. Now, are you gonna? is that going to be okay for your life? Should you run now? Do you want to do a sign-off and get out of here and go and look after your son? Yeah. Yeah, no, we're fine. Look, I think I also need to preface this by giving a bit of context to rage that may occur. Um, so Please. Sphinx and I both went to your Bucks party, right? And yeah. there was a group chat amongst three of us prior to the event. Uh, it was Michael Wood, the stick, our New Zealand correspondent, myself uh -huh. and, uh, and Alex. Uh, and, you know, we'd sort of said, look, you know, the two for none brigade are going to be there. You know, it's going to be our first opportunity to meet in person. You know, wouldn't it be fun to honour Pat by, by doing some sort of crickety thing? Yeah. Anyway, and I sort of said, you know, like, why don't we all get broad-brimmed white hats? Uh, and then Spinksy sort of said, well, you know, it's a cowboy theme, so I'm going to go and get me some white long slacks, you know, some cricket pants, some traditional cricket pants, and I'm going to go to Spotlight and I'm going to get my um, very talented wife to sew on some tassels. So it's kind of a mix of cricket cowboy. Wow. Wow. I didn't see the tassels, but I love this from Spinks. What an effort. Yeah, yeah. And so it was really nice. And then he even offered to go to Spotlight and buy... Um, the utensils and stuff and do all the stuff for us. We just had to pay him back. Um, Michael, <laughs> Michael and I kind of went, that's a really good idea. We love that, but we're just not quite sure that that fits within 
um, budget. So um, we'll just, so I just said, look, mate, love it, love the idea, love the enthusiasm. We'll get right behind you if you do it, but I'm going to stick to the broad brim hat just as a subtle nod. To which he was very gracious and said, yep, not a problem. It'll be great to have some sort of solidarity. Anyway, flash forward to the day before the Bucks party and my dad um, drives me out to Spotlight um, and uh, I sense that because dad's patience is is not as long as it used to be, that he's not going to want to drive me to Rebel Sports to go and buy some cricket outfit. <laughs> so we're at, you know, we're at... Um, you got one trip, Marta. You got one, you got trip. one trip. You got to use gotta make it. Make a count. And it really came down. He's a busy to, man, the G man. Yeah, really came down to um, who can I afford to upset the most? Your dad mm. by making him go to make an extra trip to Rebel Sports, even though he's already driven me to, to Spotlight for another purpose, and I can get a costume there. Or Spinksy, who I haven't met, um, I offered to buy a hat. You know. See how we go. Anyway, um, lo and behold, I end up buying a thirty-dollar um, Mexican poncho outfit, complete mm, with very <laughs> complete with um, cowboy hat and fake moustache. Not a cricket item in sight. So um, I had completely dogged him. Spinksy turned <laughs> <laughs> Spinksy turned up um, in full garb, cricket hat, cricket whites, um, with mm, a, no tassels, no tassels, but a dash of cowboy. Full credit to him. And it, essentially, it was a bit like I'd called yes for the single. He'd run all mm. the way down to the other end and then I'd called no and sent him back. So he was quite perturbed uh, at me <laughs> within well, folks, seconds with, of meeting. With that context in mind, here he is, folks, Alex Spinks. Don't stop Gents, it's time for an update from a Sphinx. Just after our podcast was recorded last, the Australian team faced Pakistan in what has become an every match is a must win for Australia game and... Wait. Wait, what's this? Sorry, I can't let you do that, Alex. This is Cricket Bot. I am a representative of Andrew Mellon, who is aiming to boost your productivity in all areas, including cricket podcasts. Andrew is a man from Detroit, Michigan, who used to perform improvisational theater in prisons, and is now here to boost your podcast with a modest listening base. The Australian team faced Pakistan in a must-win clash, and boy did those Aussies play well. Hold on, hold on, I feel like we need to give some context to this just a little bit. We didn't listen to last week's episode. Um, I got an email, I got multiple emails from somebody claiming to represent Andrew Mellon, um, who was going to come on and offer productivity advice um, and wanted to be a guest in our podcast with seemingly nothing to do with cricket. And it seems, Chris, like... um, Spinksy's uh, tape here has been interrupted by nothing but Andrew himself, who seems to be some kind of sentient AI. Yeah, he's having a rough week. Not only did he get dogged in a <laughs> Bucks Party costume, but now he's being taken over by sentient beings. It's, <laughs> it's tough times. It's a big time for Spinks. I'm feeling sorry for him. 
<laughs> Back to Spink slash Andrew Mellon. David Warner embraced the power of Joe Rogan and used his conspiracy theorizing to empower him to an astonishing 163 runs and dragging Mitchell Marsh along with him for a wonderful 121. Pakistan looked to be on a similar track with their openers Abdullah Shafiq and Imam al Haq keeping pace until Big Papa Marcus Stoinis <laughs> pulled some rabbits out of his hat for a wonderful two-over spell to remove both openers, and Adam Zampa prizing out the great Babar Azam to leave Barty disappointed by the Azam Smith matchup, with neither great batter leaving their mark on the game. <laughs> Sorry, this AI reading all of these names is absolutely frying my noodle, but eh? I've got to say though, Andrew Mellon has quoted me back to me, which indicates that he listens to the podcast more than I do. Maybe we should have heard it. <laughs> Seems like everybody listens to the podcast in my new degree. <laughs> I think we're learning more about you here than Andrew Mellon. Then it was over to the Netherlands, where David Warner continued to bully the opposition bowling and score not so blistering compared to Glenn Maxwell's century to bring him to equal second alongside Sachin Tendulkar for most centuries scored in one-day international cricket World Cups with six in just 23 innings the little master himself having played 44 innings for his milestone, and the still great Rohit Sharma atop that list with seven centuries from 22 innings. And then the big show himself burst to life and scored the fastest century of all time in World Cups, with his 100 yeah. coming from just 40 balls, which places him fourth in the all-time one-day or fastest hundreds list. This was also accompanied by another record. Sorry, we just got to quickly touch on that, Chris. I know we, we're over time here, mate. We got to we got to wrap this up, but we got to say that Glenn Maxwell was incredible. That that was ridiculous. The shots, Bardo, the audacity. It was wild, wild stuff, mate. Yeah, wild, wild stuff, Pat. It was it was huge. The when when he came to the crease, what were they? You know, five down. What was he doing? Batting seven. I mean, I, I know he floats up and down in the order, but. Uh, you know, we, at one stage we were looking at 380 and then the, the wheels fell off with some fairly silly dismissals. You know, um, Inglis mm. had a great six and, and, and then tried to do the same thing to long side of the ground. Um, Cameron Green took an inexplicable single. Uh, Davey yeah, after, God. sorry, in, it went for two and for a second run and got, got found wanting um, to mm. continue his shaky run of form with the bat. David Warner, after a fantastic uh, innings, uh, went deep one too many times, and all of a sudden, Australia found themselves in a in a spot of bother. Now, as it turns out, we had plenty of runs on the board, uh, but uh, d that was peak Maxwell. You, you know, that was the wasn't it? That's the one that you keep him in the side for. Where everyone's going, why do you pick him? Why do you pick him? And that's why that that was it. some of the shots. I mean, there was a reverse scoop thing um yeah there was, insane. there was a reverse helicopter like just yeah. phenomenal but most impressively he actually started his innings with a pair of cracking straight drives that straight drives oh. yeah like right oh. back past the ball like beautiful mm -hmm. buddy on mm -hmm. drives that was amazing yeah Great innings. Great innings. What an innings. Holy moly. Back to Sphinx slash Andrew Miller. With Australia's defeat of the Netherlands putting them first, again, on the largest winning margins by run list, having outscored the Netherlands by 309 runs, besting their defeat of Afghanistan in the 2015 World Cup of a 275-run win. All in all, this was a great week for Australia's hopes of entering the finals of the World Cup, but they are still yet to play the other tournament heavyweights in New Zealand with that game coming before this episode is released, and Andrew and I hope it goes very well, and the giant of last tournament's rightful winner in England, lol. <laughs> I hope Andrew Mellon and I, Cricketbot, have shown you just how efficient and productive we can. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
Oh. oh, man. I think AI has gone too far. Well, it seems I only have time for one last little bit, and as he had already recorded his tape for the amazing game between England and Sri Lanka last night, I just have a few notes here from TK that I would like to read out as his review for the game. Uh, so, um... <coughs> Hello there. TK Hawkey here with another bulletin from a Brit. So, to wrap up that... Sorry, Barter, you're in shock. That is dead on. It's dead on. It's dead on. That's good really stuff. good. That's a great impersonation. <laughs> yeah, I think we have. Money. I think we have a, a TK bot. Yeah, it might be a little TK bot here. I mean, admittedly, he's listened to the podcast a lot, but that is good. And he's a trained actor. What can we say? Um, but yeah, no, that's still that's right on the money from Spigs. Sorry, Tom. Sorry, whoever. England and Sri Lanka game. I have these words. <laughs> What the f***? Who the f***? Why? How do they f***? Yeah, this just goes on for pages and pages. <laughs> I think I'll just leave it there. Until next time, gents. And just remember... Don't stop Exceptional. Top shelf. Top of the water. Oh, yeah. Oh, we didn't do this at karaoke at the Bucks, Bardo, but we should have. I don't know how we didn't end up doing this. God only knows it's about three octaves too high for me. Um, mate, thank you, Spinks. Thank you, Andrew Mellon, for <laughs> jumping on board there. Thank you, Tom Hawkey, for being part of our Australian correspondence for just a moment. But uh, let's wrap this up real quick. Mate, the table currently looks like this. India, mm. South Africa, mm. New Zealand, Australia in the top four. Sri Lanka, Pakistan, Afghanistan, Bangladesh, England second from the bottom. <laughs> Five games, one win, four losses. You'll have to see it. Netherlands right on the bottom of the table. But oh, um, can 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 we? Can we? Will we? May we? Could we? Potentially? Maybe? What's happening here? I think it's I think it's the old cliche, oh. Pat. It's one game at a time, and there is a big, 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 big game coming up against New Zealand who despite their minuscule population size as you've articulated uh, Pat so eloquently before um, are a big threat in this tournament huge and uh, certainly have more form uh, going into the game than than um, Australia does if you go back over a number of matches so that's where I think we're going to find out a bit about this Australian team. I'm not prepared to make any predictions beyond that game. Do I think Australia is likely to make the semis? Winviz, Winviz says it's at about 60% at this stage. I mean, we'd love to see it, Chris. We'd love to see it. And may I say, I've remembered why I like one-day cricket. I like one-day cricket, Chris, because it's freaking hog wild. It is hog wild stuff. No one knows anything. It's all up for grabs, baby. It's up for grabs time. Um, but we should get out of here so you can go and say hello to Jack, get him up from his nap, and hopefully not be in too much trouble with your wife. And um, I am going to go and make some dinner for my fiance. And that's just the way our lives are now, mate. Welcome to your mid-30s. <laughs> yeah, good on you, big suck. <laughs> Any final words, my friend, before we sign off? Oh, final words, final words, final words. Um, look, I think the fielding's been pretty good. You know, catches, win matches, hey, as yeah. you say. I think, look, the fielding's been 
excellent. I'm looking forward to more displays of excellent fielding. I it's just one thing this World Cup is has missed so far for me. It is a low scoring thriller. Mm. And we know that Australia and New Zealand have played out those in the past before. So who knows? Maybe we will see something on somewhat of a green top um, in the near future. Could we be so lucky? Thank you, Chris Barty. Love to have you with me. Thank you to all our correspondents. And uh, we will see you next week. We'll be back in the studio on Friday. Episodes in your feed by Monday. Oh, one more thing, folks. Go those holidays. Go those holidays. Go those holidays. Two Bananas created by Patrick Cullen and Chris Barty. This episode presented by Pat Cullen and Chris Barty featuring Chris Goodrick, Tom K. Hawkey, Adam Hassan, Jai Singh and Alex Spinks. This episode was produced by me, Patrick Cullen, Ginger Snap Productions, edited by Mike Wilcox and Midnight Publishing. Featured clips and music this episode included all the sound effects used was from the BBC Sound Effects website and Don't Stop to Believing by Journey 1981 Columbia Records. All music is used in conjunction with our APRA AMCOS online mini license. Contact apra.com.au for details. You can check us out at gingersnapsydney.com. Make sure you like, rate, review and subscribe to this podcast. Tell a friend about this podcast. Get it out on social. Spread the word that Two for None is a bloody great podcast. We swear and it's not just our mums that think so. We'll be back next week with a full wrap-up of all of the World Cup action and in the meantime, go those Aussies! Go those Aussies! Go those Aussies! Go those Aussies!